Welcome to the Rock Hill Dream Center Church, where we have a vision to see communities transformed by the gospel as we love, serve, share, and send. Thank you for joining us. You can hear about excellence and everything, and um, if we're not careful, we can misconstrue the word excellence because Excellence sometimes will create in us this, this um, self-reliance or this, man, I, I, I'm doing really good, so I must be good, or I'm doing really bad, so I must be bad. You know what I'm saying? So, so we got to understand what God says about excellence. See, I have not done a really great job in this aspect as a lead pastor of this church. That six years ago, I wrote down these values when God was really speaking to me about us transitioning into being a church. What does this church stand for? So I'm going to take the next five weeks and we're going to talk about these five core values that are really, really um, personal to me. Our team hears them, but I just, for whatever reason, haven't done a good job to communicate it to the church. And here they are. we got excellence, missional, relational, generosity, and compassion. And, and Garrett came up with a thing called emergency. So, so it's... It, it, it spells out a thing when he says that, but, you know, that's Garrett. E-M-R-G-C, emergency. So if you got it, don't want to have an emergency, you use your core values. But excellence, missional, gener relational generosity, and compassion is the things that we would say are very important to us as a church. And, and, and yes, we, we, we are passionate about I'm loving on single moms and in areas that are forgotten about. And we, we, we put our money where our mouth's at. We're always in a street or somewhere doing something. But we need to talk about what it means to work out of God's excellence. So with the core value of excellence, we have to be very careful. So if I'm working in Paul's excellence or I'm working in something that I'm doing, I'm trying to bring glory to me. But if I'm working out of God's excellence and what he's doing, I'm trying to bring glory to God. And, and, and when God works in his excellence, that's a kind of excellence that man and woman cannot create. I always like to say, hey, there's a vision. There's a vision that God has given us, and it's so big that if God doesn't get in the middle of it, it can't happen. People ask me sometimes, I don't know what kind of heart it's out of, but I get the question, well, how's that vision coming? I don't know. You got to take that up with God. Well, you're going to be a hospital. You're going to house people. And, and you're going to take care of people. And, and we went out to Los Angeles. We've been to Phoenix. We've been to North Charleston. I don't know. I just know that it's a vision. And, and, and it's God's timing on when it comes together. And as he grows us. But I know that if we stay in our excellence out of God, that we will get to see him work. So the excellence that is demonstrated, demonstrated through us has to be a product of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. Oh, what a beautiful sight of things that can happen when we get out of the way of the Lord and he's flowing through us. It gives us the ability to love the unlovable. It gives us the ability to forgive people that we never thought we would forgive. It gives us the ability 
to say yes and no. On the phone yesterday, I was on the phone back and forth. I'm getting phone calls of people that are hurting. I'm on the phone with pastors in Columbia. I'm trying to strategize and work together to be able to help people in need. And there's many times in my job that I have to say no. Not because I want to say no, but because God's word and the spirit says no. That's not healthy. But what beautiful things can happen when we listen to the word of God and work out of excellence. Listen to what God's word says in Philippians 4.8. It says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. I don't know about y'all. How cool would it be in 2023 that we separate the good things from the God things and that we only work on the things that are worthy of God's praise? You know what I'm saying? Let's do the God thing. Man, that is, that is something that excellent that is demonstrated through us has to be a product of the spirit that lives inside of us. And think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So if it's not worthy of praise, do we need to be putting our time and our effort and our energy into it? So here's the first step before we get started. Then we're going to pray and then we're going to jump right into this. But we've got to first tell ourselves that we have to come to the realization that God and only God is excellent. And sometimes that's hard for us to wrap our mind around, right? Because I look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, really? <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, really. <laughs> that was a joke, everyone. Don't think I'm. But um, God and God alone is excellent. You want to take a lot of the pressure out of your life? You want to take the anxiety and the stress out of your life? Young ladies, you want to take the pressure off of you? You look at that mirror and you say, God made me just the way I am. Oh, I'm excellent because my God is excellent. Not because of anything that I've done. Not because of anything that I can purchase or buy or do. Because God is excellent and he lives inside of me. Therefore, I am excellent. That's good stuff. So as God calls us, he places in us the desire for order and excellence. Here's a few examples of order and excellence out of the scripture. So we know in the book of Genesis that the garden was originally, originally designed to be excellent. And that's before sin came into the garden and the rebellion. And what was excellent was deemed imperfect because of human beings that were created. Then in the book of Leviticus, if you ever want to go to sleep quick at night... You can read some in the book of Leviticus. Lord, I've thought it, so I might as well say it, but it's sometimes a tough book to read. But if you want to understand about, if it's God into the details and the perfection, yes, read that book. He talks about the construction of the temple, the contents of the end, and all of the specific measurements. God is a God of excellence. God gives us instructions throughout the scriptures that brings him glory and places us in the best scenario for growth. And today we're going to look at the book of Daniel. I love the book of Daniel. If you ever want to just have fun, read the book of Daniel because there's some fun, fun stories in the book of Daniel. 
Lord God, open our eyes to your word through the book of Daniel today. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. Open our hearts in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So in Daniel 1, it, it, so let me just lay this out in context without me having to read a lot because I'm just going to give you all the Paul version of it. So, so the, the, the Jews, Israel was taken into captivity and, and, and the Babylonians were taking the best of the, these young men and taking them back. And they were going to try to, they renamed them. They started trying to get them to eat differently. They wanted to take everything. They said, we need your best. And we're going to take and we're going to use your best and we're going to conform it and change it over to our ways. And that's what was happening when you hear about Daniel. You know, it's got the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And in the fire. So all these young men were men that were taken and they were being fed differently, treated differently, renamed. And they just wanted them to work for their purposes and their agendas. So in Daniel 1, Daniel, so they had this man that worked for the king and he was going to put them on a specific diet. And as I was reading this, I got a little bit convicted because it's a Paul diet because it consisted of meat and potatoes and more meat. <laughs> and Daniel's like, nah, I don't want to eat that. Give me the fruits and the vegetables. Give me the stuff that is, you can't do that. The king will have my head, man. You got to eat the king's food. He's like, I don't want that. I want fruits and vegetables. And I, he said, I tell you what, let me eat this for a few weeks here. Let me eat this for about 30 days. And, it, and if, you, if I don't look better, then you can take me off and I'll eat what you want. But just go ahead and let me eat what my God is telling me to eat. And he did. See, everything that Daniel did brought glory back to God. Daniel didn't want to do anything that would dishonor his father. And this kind of, it, it stretches me a little bit because Daniel was the man. He didn't want to dishonor his father, he wanted his honor and respect. Here's another thing that I jotted down. Daniel did not let his circumstances dictate his obedience to God. Daniel did not let his circumstances dictate his obedience to his father. Think about that. I had to read that one a few times as God told me to put that on. I was like, oh, you mean when things are tight or this is, am I making, am I changing, am I doing this stuff, am I just making bargains with, with people? And, and like, whatever happened, Daniel said, I don't care what circumstance I'm in, I'm not going to change who I am and who God called me to be. See, it wasn't the outward appearance of Daniel that set him apart from all the others in God's eyes. Men and women could look at Daniel and say, Wow. Sharp young man, very nice looking, carries himself well. But in God's eyes, it was the desire in his heart to live for him that set Daniel apart. See, God doesn't look at our outward appearance. God looks at our heart. God's looking at your heart. And your outward appearance becomes a part of what your heart is like. See, Daniel excelled in everything around him because of his desire to live a life of excellence. And here we are today. So let's go to Daniel 6. We're going to read through this, and this is going to be our scripture. And, and this leads up to a really cool story. So I go ahead and just shake yourself up a little bit and get woke up, because there's some, some stuff going to go on here. 
People going to die. People going to get blind. It's like a good soap opera. You might want to get woke up right now because Daniel 6 is a true story. Starting with verse 1, it said, Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Uh-oh. What happens when you start getting promotions and stuff? Oh, we got them people got their daggers right there. Like, oh, you got a little bit of stuff going on right there, right? So then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs. But they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. I'm going it's hard to find nowadays. But he was faithful. He was always responsible and completely trustworthy. Wow, starting off with um, six, it says, So the administrators and high officers, they went to the king and said, Long live the king, Darius. Look, they kissing foot. We're all in agreement, we administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors, that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced, give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. And now, your majesty, issue and sign this law so it can be changed in the official law of the Medes and the Persians that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. So basically what happened was there was a lot of people working in the background a little bit. And then King Darius had done kind of got teamed up with the Persians and all these powerful, powerful people. And these individuals come up and said, hey, if you make this law come into play, it can't be revoked. And it was a law that if anybody prayed to anybody other than Darius, they were going to be killed. And Darius signed the law. Listen to 10. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed... He went home and knelt down as usual in the upstairs room. With the upstairs windows open towards Jerusalem, he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to God. He finds out that he could be killed for praying to anybody other than Darius. What does he do? He says, I got to go talk to my father about this. And I'm going to open up the windows, and I'm going to do it the same way. I'm going to always be facing back to true, to Jerusalem. On his knees, bowing and talking to his father. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. So they went straight to the king and reminded him about his law. Did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days any person who prays to anyone divine or human except you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions? Yes, the king said. That decision stands in its official law of the Medes and the Persians that cannot be revoked. Then they told the king, that man Daniel, one of the captains from Judah, he is ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled. And he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of his predicament. In the evening, the men went together to the king and said, Your majesty, 
You know that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. So at last the king gave orders to Daniel, for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, May your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. Now you have a man who is not proclaiming that our God is his. But right before he puts him into the lion den, he said, May your God, who you serve so faithfully. Isn't that the best compliment that we could get? Somebody's like, hey, we're fixing to throw you in prison. We're fixing to throw you into this line. We're fixing to take away your business license. We're fixing to take away everything you own. We're fixing to take away your cars and your houses. We're fixing to take away your nonprofit status. But may your king, who you serve so faithfully, be able to prosper you. Thank you. He will. I don't have to worry about your laws. I don't have to worry about all of these things that are not from my God because my God trumps every one of them. And King Darius saw this. He saw the difference in Daniel. It says a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. How awesome it is that Daniel lived in such a way that this king, who was not of his same fate, spent the night refraining from all of the things that he could have had, and he was burdened over Daniel. That is living a life of light. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God. Uh-oh, something done happened in this man. He said, servant of the living God. Was your God, whom you serve so faithfully, able to rescue from the lions? Daniel answered, long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me. For I've been found innocent in his sight and have not wronged you, your majesty. Oh, how powerful a scene that had to be. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. Then the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. He had them thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. The lions leaped on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. Then King Darius sent this message to the people of every race, nation, and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with the fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed, and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. If God will do that for Daniel, he will for you too. Daniel was no more special than any of other God's creations. Daniel just chose to live a life of excellence. 
See, it's not excellence in how good I can be at my job. It's not excellence in how fast I can run or how well I can catch a football. It's not excellence in how well I can speak and how many languages I can figure out. It's an excellence in that everything I have, God, including my heart, belongs to you. That's God's excellence. See, Daniel's actions led to promotion, which in the circumstances led to jealousy. But because of Daniel's trust in his God, King Darius was able to witness power like he had never seen before. That's my question to us. Can we let God work through us in such a way that people who are atheists, people who are are Buddhists, people who are following other religions can see that our God is a living God? And it all comes because of the way we trust God in the uncertain things. So how do we live a life of excellence? Glad you asked. Anybody want to hear it? Okay, Don says that he's good. We choose to let excellence into our lives. What do you mean by that? His name is Jesus Christ. You choose to open up your arms, to let go, to open up your heart and say, Jesus, fill me up. I don't know what I'm doing. I can't be good enough. Jesus, I can't do this. I can't do what you've asked me to do. God says, I know, but, but my spirit is going to teach you. My spirit is going to carry you. Only Christ can elevate us above the world. Only Christ can elevate us above the world. And the devil is trying to convince us and make us think that we've got to look like the world in order to be able to tell people of Jesus. And that's a lie. You cannot be able to tell people about Jesus if you're not willing to be able to tell them about the truth of Jesus. The truth will set you free. Rick Warren says in his book, Purpose Driven Life, we got a couple groups going through that, that passion leads to perfection. So what are you passionate about? And how are you using that passion to bring God glory? See, God knitted you together in your mother's womb. And when you were in your mother's womb, God was delicately placing DNA strands in you and making you for something specific for his work. I believe that with every bit of my spirit. That God, before any man or woman lay eyes on you, God was already laying out the days of your life. What are you passionate about, church? And whatever you are passionate about, if you are truly 100% convinced by the Spirit and by other people that are believers around you that that is your calling and your purpose, do not let the enemy steal it from you. There are people out there that want to steal your passion that because they can't do it, they're jealous. They want to throw you in a lion's den because they couldn't do it. You stand up and you say, I don't know how I'm going to get it done. I don't know when it's going to get done. But I know one thing. God said it is going to get done. And he's going to use me too. Don't let someone steal your dream. 
If you know it's from God, just embrace it. Embrace the struggles. Embrace the thing. I can't tell you how many times this building's filled up and went back down to 10. I don't care. I truly don't on that now. I'm in a place where I'm like, God, I'm going to speak, but I'm going to preach to you. God, I'm going to love people. If they go to that church across town, praise God, let them go. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about your purpose that God gave you. The third one is association. We have to place people in our lives that challenge us to grow in our relationship with Christ and that will ultimately let you be the best you that you can be. Don't push people out of your lives that want to push you to be excellent. We live in a society nowadays where if you say the wrong thing to somebody, they go jet and go to another church. Consider it really good if you got someone who loves you enough to say that that's probably not going to help you. Don't get mad and run off and say, man, I can't believe he would speak to me like that. People be like, Paul, you were really nice for the first 30 days of our lives. And all of a sudden, I was like, no, I just know that smoking pot probably ain't going to help you, brother. You can't pay your light bill, but you're burning up a bunch of stuff. And I'm sorry that I thought we had a friendship good enough that I said that $80 that you just spent is not going to feed your children next week, brother. I can't believe you're supposed to be a Christian. How dare you judge me like that? <sighs> Go over to this church and hide in this congregation. Life of meteorocracy. Living to just look like the rest of the world. No, God called us to be excellent, not because we are, but because he is inside of us. But association. I can't tell you how blessed a man I am to have so many men and women that are in my life that says, Paul, that's probably not good. I love you, Paul, and you get mad every time we say something to you, but we're going to say it anyway because it's not good for you, brother. Association. The next one is choose to be the change that you want to see around you. Choose to be the change that you want to see around you. Stop complaining about how the world looks. Yes, it's screwed up. Why? Because Satan owns it right now. And there are sinful people living all over that aren't saved. You be the best you that you can be today. And you be excellent because of the excellence that lives inside of you. And you be the change that you want to see. Stop worrying about other people's porches. And go and be the light in your community. Our job is not to change the people or circumstances around us. Our job is for us to be an example of the God, what God wants us to be. Now, y'all are going to be saying, well, he just said this in the last statement. Now he's saying this. When I'm speaking into people's lives, it means that we're walking with each other in discipleship. If I'm not invested in you and you're not invested in me, I probably never will say too much to you. But the moment we decide to lock arms and to walk with one another and you pour into me financially, mentally, spiritually, prayerfully, and I do the same for you, you're going to get what God puts in me to help you grow. But our neighbor across the street who's not coming to a church, who's not really wanting to do nothing but say, hey, neighbor, it's not my job to judge them. It's not my job to try to fix them. But we have to choose to be the change that we want to see. The last one of this is that remember that God works 
in the small details. See, Daniel chose early on to eat fruits and vegetables. (laughs) Daniel chose years before God used him in the lion's den to make good decisions. And Paul, sometimes I think... Man, I made a good decision Wednesday. Why is these scales not going down? I just ran 10,000 steps in the racquetball court. I can't believe that I didn't drop five pounds on Thursday. God says, Paul, I need you to change your diet. I need to change your sleep habits. I need you to change some of the things that you're doing. And I'm going to tell you what, in three to five years, you're going to see a change. I don't want that, God. I want it now. (laughs) I worked hard Wednesday. Why am I not like Thursday? God says, it's the small decisions. See, God works in the small details. You don't fix your budget overnight. You want to work on your finances for next year, start tomorrow, and then prayerfully get people in your life that can love you and help you through that. Striving to live a life of excellence in every decision will bring God glory. Here's some final notes. Is this helping anybody but me? It really just got on me. I I preached myself five times this week. Barbara didn't even come today. She's like, you done preached it five times. <laughs> Why I got to come? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, living out of, excellent, out of an excellent life that brings God glory will sometimes have you thrown into what feels like a lion's den. Let me say that really. I'm going to simple it down. When you choose to live a life of excellence that looks like Christ, you will face persecution and separation, and it will feel like you're alone in a den of lions. But here's what the Spirit told me. Let God shut the mouth of the lions. Only he can do that. I was like, whoa. God, you mean I, gotta, I can stop arguing with these people who have been persecuting me and slandering me? Yep. You just trust me. I'll shut the mouth of those lions. Wow. Next one is, as we work in the excellence of God through Jesus Christ, fight the urge to keep scores. I don't know about y'all, but I keep score. Oh, a lot of people here today, it must have been really good. Or not many people there today. Or man, I did this. We keep scores. We watch so many sporting events and so many things and our children coming up. We're all about finding our identity in a win or a loss. Amen? Am I the only one that thinks? You've got to fight against this desire to keep score. We already know that we won. Jesus said it is finished on the cross. It is finished. Victory is yours if you've asked Christ into your heart. You are now an heir to the throne of God. I don't care if your job's going bad. I don't care if they think you're doing a good job. I don't care if you're putting 60 hours a week in it not to see anything good happen. God said, I fixed it all. You just keep on doing what you're doing. Keeping track of wins and losses will bend us toward finding our identity in our wins or losses. And that's dangerous because 
One month I'll feel like I'm the man and the next month I'll go around in a depressed state because my identity is in what I do. And I don't know what y'all are doing, but I'm telling you right now, if it's not going the way you want it, God's still very pleased with you. Somebody in here needed to hear that. You had all these dreams. You were working really hard to get everything to work the way you thought it was going to go. And like Richard Gay says, bless his heart who's not here today, it's not always going to look like what you think it's going to look like. Twelve years ago, I told Barbara we were going to have a campus of 5,000. We were going to have a hospital that housed 200 and that we were going to change the city of Rock Hill. And now every week I'm getting a phone call from a church saying, hey, could you come over and speak to us on a problem that's going on in our community? Don't have a church that's going to hold 5,000. Ain't housing 200. But it ain't my job to make it my agenda and what I want is God's deal, right? Just about to finish up. Y'all can take a deep breath. Live every day as if it were your last day. You want to live a life of excellence? Fight the desire to go and just say, well, somebody else will do it. God, I know you told me to do this. When you wake up in the morning, you give God glory. Thank you for waking me up. Thank you for putting oxygen in my lungs. I'm going to live today like it's my last day. See, the way we love God and love others brings forth excellence, not only in our lives, but the lives of the ones around us. Do you know that you're hope dealers? Do you know that you have the ability to put a smile on someone's face? I promise you, you do. I've been doing this way too long. Adopt a block, we can go down and a street can be looking absolutely miserable. That evening after everybody's gone, hey, pastor! Hey, pastor! And I'm going, I think they want money. <laughs> they didn't want to say hey because we come and spoke to them that day. You have the ability inside of you to change the complexity of someone's day. How crazy is that? You can, you can say, man, God loves you. Man, I love, my wife says, you're an idiot. I'm, I walk up to somebody, I just go, oh, Jesus loves you. And they'd be like, why are you hugging me, fat man? I'm like, oh, Jesus loves you. Barbara's like, you know them? I'm like, I think I've seen them before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Live every day like it's your last day. And if you make a fool out of yourself, who cares? You should look different as being a banner holder of Jesus Christ. And finally, oh, this is a good one. For Pete's sake, show yourself some grace. When you mess it up, just show yourself some grace. God did. He sent Jesus. You're not going to get every day right. Every conversation is not going to come out the way you thought it was going to be. Oh, I'm going to go. Man, I was making a phone call yesterday, and I was like, what you know? I'm praying because I'm fixing to make a phone call to a man that I want to offer something to that I have no way of offering it to him. And he's going to be mad at me, and I didn't play the whole thing out in my mind before I made the phone call. And God said, just telling you, love him. See, we sometimes won't do anything because we're afraid of messing up. Show yourself some grace. God does. We will not complete an excellent journey. or We will not become excellent on this side of heaven.
Jesus is coming back. And when he takes us home, and we're up there around that big throne, and those angels are flying around that throne singing, holy, holy, holy. And every tribe and every nation and every tongue is together in unison, in unity, saying, there is my Father. There's the slaughtered lamb who made a way to the Father, and here is the Spirit of God seeing all things. Then and then only will we be in excellence. You won't be that here, so show yourself some grace. And live today like it's just a day that you want to go love people. Amen. Next week, we're going to continue on our core value. Why do I get so excited and scream like a knucklehead on these things? It's because I've been thinking of them for 15 years. And I've not told y'all about it. <laughs> it's been up, man. Next week, we're going to talk about being missional. Oh, boy. <laughs> You'll find out what. Just come next week. You'll hear what God has to say. Let us pray together. Amen. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for loving us so much. And we thank you, Father God, through Jesus Christ, that you placed excellence inside of us. That is the Holy Spirit. That where we were imperfect, you made us perfect. And these fleshly bodies will continue to try to do fleshly things. And the excellent spirit that lives inside of us will continue to fight and wage war against the flesh that will draw us into being banner holders for you. That we will look different in this world that we live in. So, Father, I pray today that your spirit would move in and through us in such a way that we could go out into this city and be hope dealers. And that people would see you in us, Lord. We love you, Father, and we thank you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.